you really? Pinky poo? More than anything, schnooky lumps. More than anything, schnooky lumps. Schnooky lumps? Oh, I like that. <laughs> schnooky lumps. You never called me that before. Hey, what happened last night to bring this on? When you held me in your manly arms and crushed me to your lips, I discovered what it meant to be a real woman. When I think of your handsome face, your cruel lips, your strong chin, the way you touch, the way you smother me with kisses. Well, honey, I gotta go. Uh, meet me in my office tomorrow, three. Hello, listening people. Hello. You're listening to Spit and Posh presents a televisual event, a substitute monthly show in which we talk about TV shows. Usually we have the mystery box as our monthly event show, but hey, 2020 has been weird, so why not be weird instead of talking about movies at random, we're randomly just picking TV shows and talking about them. This month, Bartek, I do believe we are talking about a little, and little you're comedy show. Oh, I mean, do they need to know my name? I think if they're listening, they know it. <laughs> yeah, they, they, read, they read the description that we haven't changed in years. The show we'll be talking about this month, Bartek, I do believe is a little-known comedy show called Police Squad. Am I right about ah, that? Ah, the Squad of Police. Yes, yes, you are right. In, in colour. That's important. That's the most yes. important part of the show. It's in colour. Because real life's in colour. Yeah, sometimes. But this is a TV show, American TV show, six episodes, which is very odd considering it's an American show. One season. But Bartek, what's the important thing people should know about this show if they have not seen this show or heard of it before? If you haven't seen this show before, perhaps you've heard of a trilogy of movies called The Naked Gun, which this is a, oh well, which which the movie trilogy is a, I guess, uh, adaptation of for this show. A continuation and adaptation. I mean, the first Naked Gun movie even has Police Squad in the name, because mm, yeah, it is Naked Gun files from Police Squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. This is the show that kind of is the roadmap for that trilogy of movies, isn't it? Mm, yes. A lot of gags, a lot of characters, a lot of sequences that appear in this show would later be adapted, expanded, changed, altered for those three movies. But this show also has a lot of stuff that those movies didn't touch. Isn't that right? Yes. So... Bartek, let's talk history with this televisual event. This is really one of those TV shows that the, the title really matches, because this is like a weird little oddity of a show to begin with, because it is an American show, one season, six episodes, got cancelled before it could become the greatest thing ever. It feels like a British show in that way. But what is your relationship with this show? Seen it before? Heard of it before? What is it? I definitely watched the Naked Gun trilogy uh, before even hearing about this show. Um, so I always had this weird idea in my head of like, oh, so how closely related is this uh, Police Squad show to the Naked Gun trilogy? And evidently, very much so. Um, so it's always been something that I've been meaning <laughs> to check out because I really find the, the trilogy of movies very funny. So you haven't seen it before? Until now? No, not until now. So now you've seen it. And mm -hmm. what's your general impression of it? I really enjoyed it. It really does feel a lot like the movies. It didn't feel like they changed uh, too much in terms of the comedy. Obviously, there is a big difference in terms of like the length of an episode versus the length of a movie and how much, uh, I guess, world building you have within the one entry. Um, but it was really interesting seeing like a bite-sized version of the movies. Time six. Now... <laughs> I grew up with this show. I got given the DVD of it when it first came out on DVD. So for me, nice. the Naked Gun, the Naked Gun movies, and this show are kind of familiar to me in the same level. In fact, I I have a hard time separating them. And if anything, I've got to be honest with you, Bart. Like I've probably watched Police Squad more than the Naked Gun movies. Isn't that crazy to think? Hmm. So. 
I know a lot of the ins and outs of of the show and, you know, the movies too, but I, weirdly enough, when people talk about the Naked Gun movies, like yourself, with this affection and reverence, I'm just like, oh, but dude, the show though, the Police Squad show was amazing and I've always been that kind of odd one out because a lot of people have seen the Naked Gun movies and seen, you know, other products like Airplane and so on and so forth, other Leslie Nielsen-related media as well, but rarely have I met other people who have sat down and watched this show or even heard of this show. So for, for me, it's always been a show that I've always thought has been really overlooked and that's kind of one of the reasons that I really want to talk about it with you Bartek because like you said you've you've heard about it but you haven't seen it so you've always been interested and this is a real oddity like I said before this show it just confuses me that there's only like six episodes it's an American show and this level of comedy from the time period as well like the idea that this was on television in the first place is absurd to me (laughs) yeah that is that is very odd like, even a show like this existing today would, you know, still be looked at a little bit of a skew. Like, with the the amount of effort that they put into their visual jokes as well as, you know, their normal just, you know, gags, you know, where Frank Drebin says something earnest. But the amount of effort they put into all of these film tricks and, and visuals and all of that that you see in movies. But even today, you don't see that much effort put into comedy television. And they were doing this back in the day, decades ago. And of course it got cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I was reading up some of the reasons why it got cancelled, it didn't surprise me all too much. Um, and yeah, I think that if this show did exist today, um, I guess a more attention-deficit audience might struggle with it. But that is a part of... Um, just to talk about a part of why it got cancelled, there was, a, I think, a quote from one of the executives or one of the people at the stu- um, TV station studio who basically says something along the lines of it was a show that people had to watch. And pay that was too to, much... That's a key word, Yeah, I to think. pay attention to, to watch. And that was too much to ask for from a 25-minute-long comedy show that was to be the warm-up act for another show because that was the kind of format it was. I was listening to the audio commentary and they were talking about like, yeah, this show was, you know, to to be on before the bigger show of the night and they cancelled it before four episodes even aired <laughs> and, and, and replaced oh, wow. it with reruns. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't okay, that crazy? I didn't, I didn't know about the... Yeah, I didn't know about the foreplay thing. So, um, Bartek, just to set things up proper, how about you tell the listening people and the audience, and uh, the audience and listening people are very different, Bartek, okay? There's the listening people, the the loyal fans, and then there's just audience members who are watching. Yeah, if ever you listen to this podcast and I mention audience, I always interrupt myself and apologize and then re-clarify listening people. But... How about you kind of just fill us all in on what Police Squad is about? So Police Squad is a comedy show about uh, Frank Drebin, a police officer from the titular Police Squad. He uh, goes around solving crimes, and a lot of the comedy that comes in this show is just a lot of wordplay and visual gags, and um, a lot of running jokes that happen between episodes, Mm. Uh, and it's all... And and when I say that this is a big part of it, I mean, like, episodes are jam-packed with all that stuff. So it's a show, when they say that you need to pay attention to, it's because that there are probably going to be many gags that you miss out on if you just watch it once, like I have. Mm, Yeah, yeah. Gags upon gags upon gags. Gags on top of other gags. There are gags that are distracting you from other gags. That's how jam-packed this show is with jokes. Yeah, there was one point where they set up a gag. I'm like, oh, they're probably going to do a visual thing like this. And then as I was th- finishing that thought, I saw, I saw in the corner of my eye, oh, wait, they're doing the joke. <laughs> but the most important thing about this sh- uh, this style of humor that, that works with... Um, because Bartek, who are the creators of this? Oh, it's... Uh, I-, I forget the middle one named Zucker something and Zucker. Abrams, I'm pretty sure, right? Abrams. I can't yeah. remember. I think it's something like that. But yeah, the the is it Zucker or Zucker Brothers? I've heard it pronounced both ways. 
Oh, I, I don't know how it's pronounced. I just looked at how it's spelled. They have their very specific style of comedy, and the most important element that keeps their style of comedy of what you just said, wordplay, lots of visual gags, because the one word you describe it is very silly, but the thing that's most important, and this is emblematic of Frank Drebin, played by Leslie Nielsen, is deadpan. This is yeah. always played very straight, even though it's the silliest shit that you will see on screen. Yeah, the and the amount of times that, people in the show laugh, like, very low. <laughs> exactly, and they're never playing it for comedy. These these actors or the the visuals. It, it it's it's like this is an old nineteen seventies cop procedural show with how straight laced they're playing it. But you have crazy nonsense in there, just absolute nonsense. That just you 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 can't believe that the way it's shot and the way that they're performing it and even the script, uh, with their dialogue. They're playing it so vanilla and so straight. Even, like, the voiceover guy. Like, how perfect is that voiceover guy? He really encapsulates that type of show. Yeah, yeah. There are many scenes where, like, if you just took out the gags, it would just be, like, a normal back and forth. Like, any of the scenes in the elevator. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And there's a voiceover guy, and he never cracks jokes. He just introduces the show. But one of the jokes he has, which I imagine you would adore, Bartek, is he says the title of the episode, but the font, like the writing on the screen, has a completely different title. (laughs) Yeah, so every episode has two titles, essentially. An audio one and a font one. (laughs) I thought that would be one of your favourite running gags. I was just imagining you sitting there, and that would crack you up. Uh, this show has really strong, because... like, once-per-episode gags. <laughs> oh, they do. We'll talk about the freeze frames. <laughs> <laughs> but i got to ask you, as a newbie, as someone who has freshly gone into this pool, you're familiar with Frank Drebin, you're familiar with the Naked Gun movies. How was it to see this characterize like this characterization of the of those of the movies this is before how did it feel was it was it familiar was it unfamiliar was it weird was it great what was your general feeling yeah yeah i'd say weird and great both both those words fit so like like i said earlier one of the big questions i had was like how similar is it to like the naked gun like you know are there are there actual like characters that exist in both and yes there that is the case um and yeah it's it's just this really bizarre thing of like well it's really weird that i didn't check out this earlier entry before checking out the movies because it kind of feels like you know there are there are nine things that frank drebner in not just three it's yeah it's like discovering a sort of new world i guess and it's been a while since i've watched the naked gun movies and like i said it's hard for me to separate them but the characterization and the writing of Frank Drebin, even though let's remove the fact that there are uh, jokes that are reused, he is the exact same character from TV to to screen, like from from TV to the movies, isn't he? Or at least for me, I don't know about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's been a while for me as well, and yeah, I, I think he's exactly the same. Like, obviously, I'm I'm thinking about how in the movies he has a love interest, so he plays a few romance tropes there. But yeah, I think he's pretty much the same. Leslie Nielsen, what a what a hero of 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 comedy. Who would have, like that's the beauty of Leslie Nielsen is there's always that thing of who knew because the big thing about Leslie Nielsen is that he was a dramatic actor for decades. He was your handsome leading man type, the the chiseled jawline kind of straight man every type of guy role but no one thought he could do comedy and the joy of Leslie Nielsen's comedy is the fact he's playing it in the exact same way he does when he does straight roles but he's doing goofy (laughs) crazy comedy Mm, yeah uh to talk about um Leslie Nielsen did you have a particular favorite Drebin moment within the police squad show that's yeah that's a tough one i was thinking before this like oh man i i'm gonna be asked questions about favorites and i just cannot i cannot really think of any there are just so many strong moments strong reactions 
if you've got one, maybe give it first while I have some more time to think. Well, one of my favourite Drebin moments is in the first episode, which is almost my favourite episode, that very first one. But one of my favourite moments is when he goes into this one-sided conversation when they're interviewing the widow of a, of a, of a victim. And he just goes in this whole monologue where he's talking about how he lived with a guy one time and he got <laughs> yeah, persecuted yeah. for it. And then, you know, they chased him out of town like a common pygmy. And then, you know, he found a woman, got married, had three kids. Never really cared for her, though. And that whole thing going on with Frank Drebin in that one scene is what I always think about Frank Drebin. Because in the movies and in other episodes in the show, you get this weird idea that Frank Drebin is this sad, tortured pervert. <laughs> because he's also a pervert throughout all of these things as well. Like, every now and then you get thrown by just what a weird pervert he is. Or, like, you know, just something creepy about him. But he plays it so straight-laced that it's fine. But that mo- that little one-sided conversation, that and that they don't engage with him about it. Like, they don't mm. ever comment on it. It just cracks me up each time. And the... <laughs> And the and the cherry on top is when he demonstrates his story by being, being like, I lived with his son for a while. It wasn't the same. <laughs> Can't go back. <laughs> yeah, the, the very odd sentimentality that no one reacts to. That's great. <laughs> Anything coming to mind for you? I don't know if this is a favourite, but the one that I just kept thinking about while you were talking there was when he was... Um, which episode was it? It was the one where it was the locksmith episode where he entered the woman's apartment and like was t- telling her what to say on the phone. Um, and he had to play it as <laughs> if like, Oh, I- I'm giving the script for this uh, woman who's in love with the guy she's talking to. And then eventually he goes on this like really long tangent, well, not tangent, but like he's giving her this whole monologue that she has to say that like goes way too deep into like, I guess, perceived sentimentality on her part for the lover. Um, And it goes on for so long that the guy just continues the conversation with her. (laughs) He's like, I actually have to end this, by the way. No, Bartek, the word tangent was completely correct for that moment because I saw that moment too as another weird, tragic moment for Drebin because I think that's his perception of men because he's talking about it, like, again, from loving a man. And we've already had that throughout the other episodes, including especially the one I just mentioned. And I just love that they have that just casually dropped in there. And it's it's just Mm. so odd. I loved that scene too. The classic schnooky lumps. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You were talking before about that you weren't too sure if there were going to be characters that were from the show that transferred over to the movies and if there was going to be some sense of a continuity within that. But were you surprised that they had a sense of continuity within this show itself? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Uh, like, ev- most episodes ended with, like, a summary of, like, all the main criminals that they'd arrested uh yeah what about uh, the final episode where it just cuts to him at the beginning and he's like i'm I'm driving uh such and such the boxer's wife home and she's just sitting there and she's like from that second episode or whatever and it's like why is this happening yeah <laughs> yeah when that happened i was like is that the lady from the second episode i can't remember and then he said it's but, that yeah, boxer's, wife. boxer's wife <laughs> um with the characters that do stay from the show to the movies, obviously there are some we have to talk about that got recast from the show to the movies. Um, his boss and, of course, Nordberg. Um, or Norberg, as they call him in the in the movie. I can't remember. One of them, he's called Nordberg, and the other one, he's called Norberg. Uh, but, I think in the movie they add the D. Which is mm, interesting. How do you feel about um, that? Because you are attached to the movie versions of those characters. How was it to see other interpretations of them? And do you have any attachment to these interpretations? Did they kind of sway you or are you still attached to the movie ones? 
Truthfully, I don't quite remember Ed in the movies, so I can't really speak on that one. The guy in the show, though, I think did a really great job. He he, he worked well with Leslie Nielsen. Uh, as for Nordberg, I think I do kind of prefer the movie version where they got uh, Orange Juice Man to, to play him. You mean OJ the Murdering Man? Yes, if he did it. If he did it, that's right. The glove doesn't fit. I. If the glove don't fit, you can't quit. I do not agree with you. I prefer the one in the TV show because, to me, he has a character. He has more nuances. OJ's just kind of like he's his whole shtick that I remember mainly is he gets injured a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, Nor- Norberg in the show, he has a goofy quality about him that I immediately love. He has such a dumb face to begin with, and he gets a lot of stuff to do in every episode he's in. He gets the putting the, 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 the tap on the phone gag. He gets a lot to do in the locksmith episode. He gets a bunch of fun stuff to constantly do that elevates him into a character that I find a little bit more than the OJ one from the movies, from which I primarily just remember he just got injured, injured a lot. Mm. Which is yeah, fine. Is Was that? No, no, I just agreed with you. Oh, good. I don't want a disagreement here. Uh, <laughs> but I've always been bummed that the TV show version of Ed didn't go to the movie versions. I've always loved the TV show version more. I've always felt that he matches Leslie. Leslie Nielsen's energy far more than the movie version, who's played by, I want to believe, George Kendi. Well, he plays it a little bit more like he's a kind of bumbling, goofy guy a little bit more, like he's a bit of a dumb guy, while Ed in the show, he has those qualities too, but I kind of believe him as the boss. I don't know about you. Mm. No, I believe him totally as the boss. And I just love that the, that his op- the opening credit sequence, his opening credit sequence is amazing, where he's just walking to the office, the guy's on fire, and all this kind of crazy nonsense. <laughs> Um, Yeah, those opening credits are fun. They are fun. We'll talk about William Shatner's guest appearance in a second. But there are other characters that that, uh, do transfer and some that don't transfer. Let's talk about the one that I don't believe transfers, which is uh, Johnny the Shoeshine. Um, No, I don't think he transfers. What did you think about that character? He was probably among one of my favorite uh, once per episode running gags. I thought he was great. And what about him worked for you? It's it's odd because every episode it was kind of the same thing happening, but just every time there was just you know new words to say, new people to throw at him afterwards. Because for for anyone listening that doesn't know, uh, once per episode Frank Drebin needs to talk to this guy that like shines shoes for a living. Um, and mm. he's the guy that knows everything. So, like, you know, you ask him a question, he, like, kind of knows what you want, but not really, but then you give him money and he knows. Um, and then after he gives the relevant plot information, another completely different person comes up to him for information that that, that person really should know about. Um, and the fact that this guy is just, like, an encyclopedia for every topic um, is basically the joke with the character. And it's also a fun way of having your... Um your kind of narrative deus ex machina character because any time Frank Drebin doesn't... Basically, every episode, Frank Drebin cannot solve the crime or cannot complete the episode's narrative. He just goes to this guy who will just tell him what to do and force and, like, help him and just... Achie- uh, achievement unlocked, basically. It's also a fun way of doing yeah, he's that. he's got the information. Mm. Yeah. Did you have a particular favorite random person he talked to? I think it was the first one, the priest, that got me the most. Just it was the introduction to the whole gag, and also, yeah, like it's it's a profession where you really should know the answer because you're you're standing in front of people every week, you know, professing all this stuff, and you're getting <laughs> you're getting the notes from from a shoe shiner. <laughs> I I love also that the that uh he gives him options for the answer like are you talking like 
this kind of thing or this kind of afterlife or this like you gave him multiple options like there is no there, like there's multiple answers to the question of what happens after in the afterlife like he's going to give the priest <laughs> i yeah i guess I the like fireman's more of a like straight answer one yeah, yeah, and I, I don't know, I also particularly enjoy the one in which he talks to um, the baseball guy, that one was pretty fun, just because, <laughs> you know, he's in his full get-up as well, or the one with the heart surgeon's also pretty good. Um, mm. I just love that they're in their full outfits too, like the heart surgeon like goes to this gritty little alleyway. Like, like, where did he come from? Why is he in his full gear? And he went, I've got to go see the shoe shine. Yeah. Well, I guess also the fireman one has the uh, side gag of the fires happening, like, right beside them. You can see the smoke covering them. I also like the TV talk show guy who wanted to know what ska music was because all the hip kids or, like, whatever media personality he was. And then at the end, he randomly was like, do you have that cream that, you know, stops you from aging? <laughs> Yeah, so he's also and he like does. A I just I don't know why, but that yeah, <laughs> yeah. Of course he is. He's a criminal. He's 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 not a criminal. He's he's the street. He's the word on the street. He's got it all. I, yeah. I also like how you, though, one of his scenes. Yeah. Go on. Go on. I was going to say one of his scenes began with him just shining shoes he had on the side, just waiting for Frank to come. Well, you know, he has to practice. Hmm. Let's talk about Olsen, Ted Olsen. What was it like seeing him in the show? Yeah, he also had a once per episode gag where he was teaching children or a little girl how to do various weird science experiments. Um, He was a lot of fun too, and I guess he also had that sort of uh, perversity that you're describing with Frank Drebin where he was clearly interested in like her her mother or something like that. Um. And yeah, there were a lot of funny little gags with him too. Like I remember, on well, this, I guess this is more of a Frank one, but like I think it was in the last episode where he went through a door and Frank just went around the set. That was a recurring one, actually. That happened in every single episode. I was noting oh, it down. Shit. Like, I, I think I only noticed in the final episode. <laughs> that's how nuanced the gags are, Bart. Like you got to keep up with it. You know, that's that's even decades later. It's you because have to keep up with it. I'm from I'm from the show, so it was normal to me. One of my favorite gags with him is um, when when Frank asks him if he could determine where this rock came from that got thrown through the locksmith window that he was at, and he goes to this giant scientific exper- like explanation of like, well, Frank, billions of years ago, and he just explains how <laughs> rocks got made, and then the dramatic sting music happens at the end, like, that was a big revelation of information, like he had in every other episode, like at the end of every episode, like at the end of every scene in every episode, he has some like, this is what it is, and you have that dramatic sting, and it's always pointless or useless, but that one cracked me up the most, because of just how silly it was but then also that gag got paid off by the gangsters later in the same episode when they get asked about it and they start to go in the exact same spiel about it (laughs) yeah i was gonna say that was it had a a callback later it was one of those great ones. I also liked his little experiment he was doing with... Because um, it wasn't just a little girl. There was there were multiple different children. Like, there was a little boy and there was a little girl. Like, there was one where he asked the little boy to bring back those magazines he found underneath his dad's bed. Um, right, yeah, that's, that's right. I think there were only two kids. Yeah, maybe there was just two, two of them. But uh, one of my favorite end gags with that is when he says like and next time you're here i'll teach you why cows love getting milked and it's like "Mm, mm, i don't like that but i love it uh now with the show was it a a, because we talked about it before a bit earlier is there's a lot of reuse. There's a lot of gags that get recycled reused expanded upon reshaped in the movies was that a bit of a frustration for you watching the show, seeing these gags, I guess for you, repeated? You know, it's been 
quite a while since I've seen the movie, so to an extent it was kind of fresh to me. It, it felt less like I've seen these gags before and more like, oh, the, these gags were made by the same people. So, yeah, it wasn't any issue for me. Mm, fair enough. It's never been an issue for me, obviously. I, I understand the re... I've always understood the reasoning as to why. Like, you can't you know, minus points off this show for having gags that were used later in a more popular version of this. This is the setup of it all. This, you know, they they didn't realise that it was going to make a trilogy of movies. Mm. This show's kind of one of the most ultimate success stories, isn't it, Bartek, when you think about it? It was a show that got cancelled, not even all of its episodes got to air, and then, haha, it became one of the most successful trilogy of comedy films ever made. Yeah, and uh, according to the trivia, even when it did get cancelled, the people that were making it were kind of relieved that it got cancelled. Yeah, I was listening to some of the audio commentaries on the DVD I have, and they were talking about how TV's a very different medium. They're, they're very much from uh, stage background and from film, and they didn't understand how to you know make stuff for television, and they were trying to figure it out. And one of the big problems that they had is uh, with TV, they're handing it off to different directors, and these directors don't always get their style, or they don't know the flow of their jokes. Or when you're on a film, say, like they were talking about Kentucky Fried Movie, which is a film these guys also did, a film that we both like. Uh, When there were different segments being directed, it's a different dynamic because there's a lot more time to discuss how they want these things or how to improve these things with the director and the filming. But on TV, everything's, you know, it's a lot of time pressure. So they have to deal with these directors and they're talking about that. And I find that interesting because when you're watching the show, Bartek, I imagine that's something you're not thinking about. Yeah, not as much, no. Joe Dante directed two of the episodes, Bartek. You know Joe Dante. We did, uh, we've done a, I think we've done a, one or two of his movies on the show thus far. We, we did Small Soldiers. Small Soldiers, right? Yeah, we did Small Soldiers. And of course, Small Soldiers had the actor Dick Miller in it, who is a constant staple of Joe Dante's work. And he was in Police Squad. He was in the final episode. He was the, the thug uh, club owner guy um, in the oh, comedy. Yeah, yeah. So, Dick Miller confirmed. Now, with there police... Was Dick. There was Dick. Uh, with Police Squad, the, the, there are those repetition of jokes that we... Like, there are running gags that are throughout the, the, the six episodes... Are there any particular ones that stand out to you that really just tickled your funny bone that we haven't discussed? Uh, that we haven't discussed? I guess the the most minor one is the, the cigarette gag, where every episode he, offer, he offers someone a cigarette just by simply asking the one, one word cigarette, and everyone just responds with a variation of, yes, I know, or yes, it is. <laughs> It's like every episode you see it coming and it happens and it's like, yeah, it's still funny. <laughs> because I, what makes it funny to me is Leslie Nielsen's reaction is he is perplexed by it. When in a universe where mm. all this crazy nonsense happens, he's never perplexed by things. And like when a comedy gag happens, he never acts perplexed. But in those moments, he acts like that was the wrong thing to say. Like he is acknowledging that was not how that should have gone. <laughs> Yeah, he acknowledges that this was a misunderstanding. This was not a play on words. This was not an intentional, like, oh, gotcha, this was really my meaning. It was, yeah, they they literally made a mistake and he just has to play with it. So you sound positive on this show. I was going to ask, do you think that this show holds up? Do you think people can just sit down and watch watch Police Squad, say they've never seen Naked Gun or if they have... Do you think in this modern age that this show holds up well? Um, If you're talking about modern age in terms of our technology, I think the fact that you can pause and rewind and rewatch easily is something that would make this show a much better. Because like if you, you know, back in the 80s or whatever, you watch it on TV and then it's done. If you've missed a, jo- if you've missed a joke, then you've missed the joke. Um, but for the modern day, you can rewatch them. 
but then it just comes to a, a, I guess, a question of comedic sensibilities. Um, like when I started watching the show, I remember I, I was eating dinner at the same time. So like, you know, I was looking down at the food, looking up at the show and it was only like when I quickly finished my dinner that like, it was, I guess, working a bit better for me because I was fully paying attention. Like, mm. I, I guess I sort of underestimated the show in that regard. Um, so, like, when I when I in the first episode, when the guy's killed and then they have the really long stretcher, <laughs> like only I think towards the end of the time when you saw the long stretcher that I really registered, like, oh, oh that is a long stretcher. Um, and yeah, yeah, the I guess the fact that so many of these gags are played so straight and like not played as jokes not really giving you like you know giving you time to laugh at them as if like not silence for the audience to laugh um i guess maybe some people wouldn't be used to that but i think really that this show people would like it if they gave it a chance for sure i love the fact that this that police squad in color can still work today and can still be a show that requires your full attention. We are in the golden age of television, the prestige age of television, but that doesn't necessarily fall into comedy necessarily. Like, there's a lot of comedy shows I love, don't get me wrong, that are currently on the air, but do those comedy shows have uh, the amount of effort or the amount of energy or the amount of attention one needs to give them that this show did from back in the the early 80s. No. And that is so fascinating to me that all these decades later, that Police Squad can still be a show that requires your your attention. And I believe that for some people that's going to be quite annoying, especially because your attention is going to be focused on what are very dumb gags. That's the thing. They are unabashedly dumb. The, the let's throw the mime mm. through the window gag is so silly and so fun. Or, you know, lots of silly things like, cover me, Frank, and then Frank just throws his coat over him so he can't see. And I can imagine mm. some people being like, oh, I'm having to focus my attention on what is basically kindergarten humor, humor because these guys, you know, airplane, naked gun movies, so on and so forth, top secret, Kentucky Fried movie... There are lots of people who love that type of humor, like we do, but there's also detractors because it is very silly humor. And I think that some people, you know, if they're not into that, this show isn't going to help because this show's also demanding your attention, which is a lot to ask. But I think it's worth it. I think that this show still has so many gags that are genuinely gut busting in how hilarious they are. That first episode has a gag, Bartek, that I lose it at. I, I I almost cry with tears. It's so silly. Which is, in the first episode, he's trying to figure out who murdered this guy at the bank, and it's of, and it finds out like it's the um, the, what what is she? She's a secretary at the bank or something. A secretary or a teller or something like that. Yeah. And there's this running gag that she needs money for an orthodontist and all that, but at the end. Frank finds, like, Frank reveals that he knows that she's the one who did it, and he goes through her background information by being like, no, your name didn't pop up in our records, but such and such did, but she was a redhead, and he, like, rips off her blonde hair, and it's a wig, and underneath yep. that wig is another wig, is a big redhead wig, and then he, like, rips it off, and he's like, but before that, you were this, and it just keeps going and going, and it's like, before that, you were a backup singer for this, and she has, like, a big afro, but what cracks yeah Aretha Franklin <laughs> what cracks me up is when she when she counters but did your records show that I was a you know a Navy SEAL or whatever and he goes no and then she like rips it off and she's got, just got like a buzz cut basically but the yeah really short but the hair. joke <laughs> that cracks me the gag it's so silly is they get into a gunfight before they do that she throws one of the wigs in his face and he reacts like it hurts. Yeah, like it's attacking you, like it's alive. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen was an old 1950s B-grade actor. He was in Forbidden Planet. He can do the acting of that hammy, oh, I'm being attacked, and he does it for when she just throws a wig on his face. And it, 
I lose it every time. I'm nearly in tears laughing because of just how childish <laughs> it is, how silly, how nonsensical, and how wonderfully over the top he plays it. Yeah, I think the wig scene, uh, the multiple wig scene, was my favorite part of that episode. Oh, come on, Bartek. They were in Little Italy. <laughs> the background of Italy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite stupid wordplay gags is. Sergeant Takeaway and Booker, and then he just walks over and he shakes each one of their hands by going, Sergeant Takeaway, Sergeant Booker. <laughs> that was great. I love that as well. <laughs> um, I have to tell you right now, Bartek, my favorite gag in this whole entire show, and I think it's the best gag out of all of their projects, out of Airplane, Kentucky Fried Movie, The Naked Guns, Top Secret, anything that these creators have done, including Leslie Nielsen. And he's not even in the scene I'm going to be talking about. My favorite gag, and it, I, I nearly, I, I fell on the floor laughing at it. That's how good it is. Is let's have a let's have a walk in the Japanese garden, and then they go outside, <laughs> and there's just a bunch of Japanese people standing in pots like they are plants. Yep. <laughs> They're just standing there. There's Completely there's an neutral. elderly one. There's a child, there's a few children, they're just standing there. I don't know why it, I lose my I lose it. <laughs> and you have a crime There was a reason they specified it was a Japanese garden. Yeah, and you have a crime take place there, and the Japanese people just stand there because you know it's a Japanese garden. And <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, it just I don't know how you reacted to that gag when it happened, but I I I I can barely even talk about it because I just it's so hilarious. That's the funniest <laughs> gag that they've ever created, in my opinion. It just I lose it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't piss myself, but I did like it a lot. Oh man, I would I I would nearly piss myself at that that one. I don't know, <laughs> just the I the idea that they got these actors <laughs> and made them stand in this fucking set and be plants it's so stupid <laughs> but ryan isn't it dehumanizing the japanese there's an interesting commentary though as well because i will say the, say this um in the 1970s i'm a, i i i'm i watched some 1970s and early 80s cop procedural shows i'm a big fan of columbo and there is a recurring thing in television that all their staff of help, the rich people, all their, their gardeners and their butlers are always Asian people. I don't know. It's just the times, man. Mm. And so when they walk out to, you know, this rich white family, let's go walk in the Japanese garden. And they have the Japanese servants because they're dressed in like formal attire and like servant gear. And there's like a maid and there's like little children and they're, they're the plants. It's just like, yeah, it's kind of like whether they were men meaning to or not. And I don't think that so. I think they were just doing it as gag. There is a weird little commentary on how TV just has, back in that time, just the, the dehumanization of Japanese people in particular being just the things that the rich people have and own. But I know they weren't <laughs> thinking about that. They just had a wordplay and they were like, let's put this to screen. And... I appreciate it. What was... Do you have any particular gags that really stood out to you, though? I keep thinking... And this was a minor one, and I think that's a great thing about this show, is that their gags are all over the scope of, like, minor gags to major gags. Um, there was one where he was reassuring someone. I think it might have been the same episode. It might have been a different one. Um, that they're gonna work to solve the problem. They, mm. they, he phrased it as, uh, Drebin phrased it as, uh, they're working around the clock to do it, and just in the back, there are policemen, like, you know, writing on pieces of papers surrounding a grandfather clock. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that one too. That was a good one. Mm. Oh, man. Yeah, this show has so many big comedic set pieces too, though. Uh, like, they have big comedy, physical or, or verbal set pieces, but I think what I really appreciate and what you appreciate too is just those little minor gags that are hidden beneath other gags that you just go, look, the mime gag, that was hilarious, but what I think about in that episode is the, the Japanese garden or the, the putting the tap on the phone or... You know these little little moments of of silly nonsense, or 
One guy that I don't know why it cracks me up is Frank in one of the episodes walks into the police squad headquarters and he says, I'm going to be working hard on this. And behind him on the board of the map is a World War Two war map of the city where there's got like swastikas and ally symbols. I don't know. Yeah, I noticed I, that. I don't know why that's there, but it made me laugh. <laughs> I remember there was one, and I can't remember if this is a part of the set in like every scene or if it was just in this one scene when he enters the police squad main office area and mm. I looked on the door. Mm-hmm, the, obviously, because we're on the other side of the door, the word police was reversed, but squad wasn't. <laughs> yes. Was that was that throughout the whole it was show? Or just infrequent, like one and that's scene? what made it great. <laughs> Okay, because I only noticed it in this one shot where I, like, purposely wanted to read it weird. Um, we, we get to have, um, the recurring fun visuals of him driving his car as well. And again, Mm -hmm. there's the pervert gag in the very beginning where he was talking about, uh, there's been a series of murder sprees where a bunch of, uh, uh, supermodels have been found naked at laundromats. I was getting my laundry done at the time when I was called to this other case. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, he's going there to look at the, the naked models. And then, then later in the episode, he has his laundry in the car, and he's like, I'm just returning from the laundromat. <laughs> and you have the classic when he's driving, but they're obviously other, there's someone else's hands, and then he, like, wipes his nose with his hand, and it's, it's, it's very silly. And then he, the, the hands on the steering wheel pass him the the radio to call in and lots of fun, visual, appealing, silly, nonsense gags. One of the ones that also cracked me up was when they're at the coroner's office and in the background, they're trying to jam this body in to one of the slabs Mm. and they're just fucking it up brutally. Yeah. And it's especially loud. You can hear them struggling over the dialogue. (laughs) Did you have a favorite um, intro guest? Because the intro guest, uh, again, the whole thing is they always have a gag of, and tonight's special guest star is, and they get a real celebrity of the time, and then they just have them brutally Mm. murdered. But did you have a particular favorite? I mean, you mentioned earlier in this episode, we'll get to William Shatner, but his one was pretty great. His is the best, because his one defies the other ones, and then there's like the, no, 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 he still does, because... His thing is he what he's at like a, a bar or a club or restaurant, having a drink. I think he's at a restaurant booth. Yeah, having a drink with a woman, and he's Shatner. You know, he's doing his Shat like we don't hear him talk really, but he's doing his Shatnerisms. Like you know, he's got the hair, he's got the ludicrous mannerisms, and then machine gun fire happens, and he's dodging and ducking and weaving, and he like he shoots really quickly. But what I love about that is he shoots really qu- like he shoots like one maybe two shots, and then he like does a little spin of his gun and a really over the top. <laughs> <laughs> kind of reaction, smiles, has a drink of wine, and instantly is poisoned. Like, like the, they just hit his lips, and he's just like, and like points at her, <laughs> and <laughs> dies. And it's so wonderful because it's letting Shatner be over the top acting, and he could have just been a regular character in the show. Like he's so goofy, but it's just so fun to have him just die. And he was, mm, yeah. he's, he's the highlight for me. What about any others stand out to you? I guess on the extreme opposite end, the last one was literally just someone being thrown out of a car and they're dead. Um, they had Robert Goulet um, get uh, shot and he would later appear in a police squad, uh, in, sorry, in a Naked Gun movie. I do believe he's an antagonist in one of the movies, in fact. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, I think it's true. said the second film, maybe. Yeah, I think he's the antagonist in the second film, and uh, Bartek and I are big fans of uh, of Weird Al Yankovic as well. And Robert Goulet, if you do not remember Bartek, w- had appeared in a few Weird Al Yankovic uh, film clips as himself because he was a, a a piano player. I do believe he was like you know your your schmooze lounge singer type guy. But in the weird, I don't know, in the 1980s and 1990s, he just became self-aware and really funny and would do shit like the Naked Gun movies and Weird Al film okay. clips. That's interesting. I think he's in the Weird Al film clip where um, it's Weird Al's uh, breakups. No, he's uh, 
it's one of his love like anti love songs. The one where he's talking about how this one more minute or the other you don't one, love me anymore, something like yeah, that. you don't love me anymore. And he's playing the piano and he gets his hands cut off on the when they slam the piano keys shut and he gets his hands cut off and he's bleeding and it's Robert Goulet and it was fun to see him in the opening and I listened to the commentary episode and they're like oh and he's Robert Goulet and they just talked about him like he was the nicest guy and this is when we first met him and we knew we wanted to work with him again isn't that nice to hear like just a random that is nice yeah random thing and then he was great in the in the Naked Gun movie uh, yeah the second one I want to say um, it was just kind of nice uh, to see that again. Um, did you have a favorite freeze frame ending? Because the gag too is every ending ends like an old <laughs> show does, where they tell like a here's the moral of the story, and then they have a gag, and then the music kicks in, and then it's like a freeze frame. But the joke is they're just standing there, and it's not actually frozen frame. They're just trying to keep still. Did you have one that really caught you off guard? And if anything, when it first happened, what was it like? for you to see that (laughs) well when it first happened it was very much a played straight thing where the joke was that they weren't actually frozen they were just trying to stay in place so that was great and i kind of interpret that as like oh well that's that's the gag so when it kept happening that was it was great that they played around with it a bit more i think any of the ones where there's a character who isn't frozen is great like the one with um norberg especially when he wants to show them something, but he realizes, oh no, they're doing the freeze frame thing. I have to, I guess I'll freeze frame with them and he can't really decide on what kind of pose to do. Yeah, yeah. That one was great. I like the one where they were handcuffing the criminal that they caught from the episode and then he just tries to escape, but he can't because the door's blocked. So he tries to break the fourth wall. (laughs) So silly. Mm. That's the great thing about the Police Squad show. It's six episodes. You can watch this in one sitting. And it is basically, like you said, it's it's more Frank Drebin. It's more Naked Gun. It isn't a weird kind of uh, ugly duckling of this, of this world. This does gleam, like this does just glide through to the Naked Gun movies. Sure, there's some repeated gags in there. But tonally and just character-wise with the character that the show itself has and the characters within the show, it is just like a bounty of goods of just, if you like Frank Drebin, if you like Leslie Nielsen, if you like uh, the, the, the Zucker brothers and all that kind of stuff and this type of humor, it's just more of that, but it's done for the television format, which I find very interesting because, like we're saying, how, could this work? And... The, the answer is yes, you get like bite-sized 25-minute episodes things, but the fact that they're constrained to television kind of forced them to really go out of their way to do these gags, and that's admirable. Yeah, they just like jam-packed them all within this like 20 to 25-minute time limit, and uh, yeah, it's, it's just crazy to think about. Like when I was finishing off the show, I was actually wondering like, man... This show only had six episodes. Could they have actually gone further? And then when I read the trivia that, like, they were a bit relieved when the show was cancelled because they didn't know how long they could keep it for, I completely understood. I'm like, yeah, maybe it was good then. You know, it was a blessing in disguise because then we got the Naked Gun movies and those movies help forge a certain type of comedy style that, you know, would later become the worst thing we've ever seen. But with those, you know, the scary movies and disaster movies, you know, but that kind of humor, when done right, is pure bliss. And it gave us the joy. I know Airplane existed, but Naked Gun in particular gave us, cemented the comedic stature of Leslie Nielsen. Mm, Yeah. I love this show. This is a televisual event. Out of all the ones we've covered, this one in particular, because... This one, Double the Fist and all that, because they're very small, forgotten, overlooked shows that do have um, long-reaching comedic, uh, um, like, you know, things that kind of go after it. Because, yeah, Double the Fist had, like, a big cult audience that brought it back. And this, well, Mm. this got to help make the Naked Gun movies happen. This kind of helped forge those, and those movies are... Uh, one of the few... It created a framework. Yeah, the framework. They're the... And also, the Naked Gun movies are what? The only good comedy trilogy? 
in existence? I can't think of any others. I mean, there probably are, but I just can't think of them. Well, we like Austin Powers, so... You know, you're right. Austin Powers and the Naked Gun movies. Anything else? Not the Hangover movies, because does it count repeating um, the same movie again two times more? No, I I was looking at my DVDs. I'm like, oh, there's some good duologies, but I can't see any trilogies. trilogies. We'll see how the Bill and Ted one goes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Bill and Ted. Oh, that's right. They've got a new one coming. Yeah, boy. Uh, anything else you want to discuss? Anything further when it comes to Police Squad that you feel like we haven't touched upon? Or things that you just wanted to flag up? Or things you noticed or appreciated? Um, I think it would just be, at this point, gags that I liked. Like, um, in the second episode when they had the boxer and Leslie Nielsen tried trash-talking him and the guy just played it all off and then something, like, completely normal set him off. (laughs) I thought he would be one of your favorite side characters because he had this one gag that I'm like, oh, Bartek would love that, which is that gag. But the other one is um, roses are red, violets are blue. I'm going to break your face. I'm going to break your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one was really fast paced. So it threw me off. One of the see what I love about this show, too, of a monthly show is uh, I love trying to figure out things that would you that you, you would appreciate. And one of the gags I'm surprised you haven't mentioned, and I guess it didn't impact you as strongly as I thought it would, is uh, there's the running gag in the boxer episode of uh, the gangster man, the bad guy has uh, kidnapped the boxer's girlfriend. And to prove that he's kidnapped her, is he just demonstrates <laughs> right, that he's got yes. mundane items that she owns? The electrical appliances in her home, that's it right. It started out like, here's her scarf, that could be from anywhere. Here's her purse, that could be from anywhere. Here's her toaster, and then the toast pops out of it, and then they're like, it's her, he's got her. <laughs> and then by the end, he's like holding up like a like a freaking washing machine or a sink or something, and he's just like, ha-ha, or an oven. It was a washing machine, yeah. And he's like, mm-hmm, like at the boxing ring too. <laughs> I mean, he's struggling to hold it up. <laughs> I saw that and I said, oh, that's Bartek. He would, that would probably be in his, like, top gags. Because that one, I just go, that's something that Bartek would find really, really absurd, even for your taste. Again, there there are so many, there are so many gags in these six episodes that even the ones that I really like, I just forget about because I'm trying to remember them all. One of the beautiful gags that I really do love that's throughout the show, but it's really in the, the final episode is whenever there are gags that they tell in the show, like when they're telling jokes, they're never funny or they're nonsense. Like when we see Frank Drebin's stand-up comedy and everyone's like losing their minds of how funny it is and to us it's (laughs) nonsense or boring or not funny at all. Yeah. That made it funny. I did love, though, he did have one gag that I really did like, which was so silly, which is when he asked them where they're from, and he's like, hey, that's my hometown. And then, hey, where are you from? Hey, that's my hometown. And then, hey, where are you from? Hey, that's your hometown. Like, I was like, yeah, I can see a comedy guy doing that. That was like one of the few gags he said where I'm like, no, I could genuinely see that being a stand-up thing. But the rest of them were, like, mm. weird. <laughs> yeah, and then, like... It started off being like, oh, yeah, gentle laughs, but then, like, everyone got bigger and bigger laughs. Mm. (laughs) I also liked, uh, with the Police Squad show, I think one of the beauties of it, too, is Frank Drebin is just, um... He's just a regular, like, you get the feeling that this is all small scale. When the movies come, it becomes bigger. Like, oh, here's the queen, or here's this big thing. And Frank's like, the mayor knows him, and, like, he's in the paper all the time. But in this, it feels like he's just, like, this is a random corner of this of this comedic universe, and the rest of it's absurd. But in the movies, it kind of feels a little bit more like he is, because, and because it's a movie, because these are movies, I understand, but... He's like the linchpin of this universe. Like, no one is stupider than Drebin in the movies. Mm. Like, no one's as, as silly or as as overblown. But in this show, it kind of feels like more so that it's the entire world and he's just like one small corner of it that we are getting to visit for six episodes. 
Yeah, that is true. And I also like just the small scale nature of it. Like, oh, this episode's a rip on the the Rocky format, and this episode's a you know uh, sending off this thing or this thing. Like, there's the one where it's like the Butler did it, which is like the only Who Done It episode, and it's told you it tells you in the title, and then at the end it's like, and it was the Butler, and it's like, of course it was. <laughs> yeah, I guess the first episode was kind of, kind of like a Columbo, like how they done it or how they did it. Because they're always different too, like. You know, there's yeah the the this is the one where you have to pretend to be something. You have to go undercover and you have to do this. There is the classic gag. Um, just to talk about Police Squad, the show does have a legacy of its own, Bartek. One of the legacy gags that I've seen recycled on the internet, like people use images of it on the internet, is uh, how did you get here? In here, uh, who are you and how did you get in here? I'm a locksmith and I'm a locksmith. That one I've seen cycled around the other one is um uh i'm sorry ma'am we would have come earlier but your husband wasn't dead yet that one i often see get used as like a classic drebin line but it's always from the show i don't think that one's used in the movies but when there's like a highlight reel or when people mention famous drebin lines that's always up there and that's always and they always show the one from this show so this does have a a legacy whether or not people fully realize that they that this is from the show because i think sometimes people see a funny leslie nielsen image on on you know the internet and they're like oh it's from the naked gun movies or airplane but sometimes they're actually mm. from police squad but it's like just to tickle your weird comedic funny bone there's a website online in which uh they have an image, they have the images of the police squad headquarters from out front, you know, when the episode title comes up, they have, like, the the, the front of the building where it says, like, you know, police, the police station, and they have the font come up to tell you that tonight's episode is, the butler did it. There's a website that has those still images, and they, they always change up what the font is for, like, what the episode is, so tonight's episode is... Uh, this, and they have some funny gag or some scathing critique. And so, weirdly enough, Police Squad has gained a weird life on the internet from multiple reasons, but for that one in particular. Like, and I just find that really odd that someone sat down and watched Police Squad, saw that and said, you know what, I could rewrite the, I I could rewrite the title and make some funny gags. Like, one of them I remember is, and I, can't, I wish I could remember this site, but I, I, I hopefully I'll find it and put it on our socials. But there was the running thing of, like, one of them was like, tonight's episode is the writers ba- can barely hide their fetishes. And <laughs> that's one I remember. And, yeah, so this show does have a life, but I think more people need to see it. If you're a big fan of the Naked Gun movies or a big fan of Leslie Nielsen, you, I mean, I feel like this is a requirement. I think some of his best shits in here. If, if you like the Naked Gun movies, the show literally opens with that the same theme music, so you're you're welcomed right in with the familiarity. Yeah. Oh god, it's 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 a it's a masterpiece of a of a television show. And yeah, it is that thing of I wonder what would have happened if they made more. But we got the movies, so that's the more we needed. Uh, Bartek, I'm glad that we sat down and talked about Police Squad, a show that, oh man, I don't know, just puts a smile on my face, just, ah, six episodes, just such a, like, like we said, we get why, but there is a thing of, only six? (sighs) I wonder. At least they, at least they quit while they were ahead. Well, they got forced to quit while they were ahead. (laughs) (laughs) They stopped while they were ahead. They got stopped while they were ahead. Yes, yes, yes. Stopped by the police, but not the squad, just the police. Could you ever imagine them ever trying to redo the police squad and Naked Gun formula? Like, try and remake them without Leslie Nielsen in it? God forbid. It makes me shiver to think about. Who would you even cast as Frank Drebin these days? I can't think of any... That was the joy of Leslie Nielsen, too, is there was no one else like him. That's why you had so many of these movies use him, because there was no one else like him. There was a lot of copycat films, like Spy Hard, and 
oh, that that actually got Leslie Nielsen because only Leslie Nielsen could do that type of humor with that level of expertise to it. Even in shitty movies that didn't fully understand what the how to use Leslie Nielsen, he still was amazing. Even in something as silly as Surf Ninjas that we talked about on our podcast, he was such a presence that, you know, how could you ever get someone else? And, mm. and I got, I, yeah, the, the shiver goes down my spine, but let's not forget Bartek, nothing sacred in the world of films. Anything can be remade, redone, recontorted, re reused, regurgitated, and God forbid mm. if they ever did it to Frank Drebin. Ah, so listening people, thank you. You can find us on the social medias of Facebook and Twitter, Spit and Polish Presents. If I find that website I'm talking about, I will link it onto there so we can all enjoy ourselves. Uh, Feel free to hit us up with an email uh, at spitandpolished at gmail.com. Tell us uh, your feelings, your views on Police Squad, if you've seen it at all, if you're interested in it, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Suggestions for our weekly show, Pictures Power, and we'll be talking about movies that come recommended. All that great stuff can be found in the description of this episode. Uh, obviously, do the usual things that podcasts tell you to do. Rate, review, subscribe, follow, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Bartek? Cigarette? I can't see it. This is a podcast. You could have said yes, it is, but all right. 